0: On this episode, we share a story that's as old as time, the classic tale of a professional baseball player who became an up-and-coming dog toy inventor. Hope you enjoy. You are listening to the Rebel Storytellers
1: Podcast.
2: Rebel Storytellers. Candid conversations with dreamers, doers, and creative problem solvers.
1: Hosted by Brad Wise and Steve Fuller. A wee podcast. Made in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, Brad. Yes? Did you know that I'm actually the creator of eHarmony? You must be rich. (laughs) No, I have zero dollars to show for it. That doesn't make any sense. Do you want to hear the story? (laughs) Yeah. So, I was a a young lad, and I don't know if you... I'm a little bit older than you. Do you remember the internet? (laughs) Uh... (laughs)
0: I remember, yes, do you want to, my, memory, my first memory of the internet is a Pepsi commercial, and afterwards it said www.pepsi.com. I was like, what the crap does that mean? <laughs> what are all those W's? What's the W's? Well, I, I, so America Online
1: was like one of the first really like internet-y things that became popular with a bunch of people. Yeah. But before that, there was an, an internet service called Q-Link, the letter Q-Link. Okay. And it was the first online platform I was ever on and I was probably, I'm gonna guess 14 when we got QLink and back in the, just no one knew anything and so I didn't even know how to connect to the internet and so I remember one night trying to connect and I, I like my modem kept going but I, it wasn't plugged into any, like a phone jack. Yeah. I didn't understand that, I just thought <laughs> yeah. it magically happened. And, uh, and so I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I was on QLink and I remember the screen would pop up and it would have like news and sports and then there was this link for like community and so you would go in, there'd be all these chat rooms and, um, you know, a bunch of weird stuff happening because back in the early days of the internet, weird things happened. They've cleaned it up now. <laughs> yeah. No, there's still some weird stuff. Was but Back it- then it was just a lot of really creepy old men everywhere doing creepy stuff, but you you chat with people, and I had this idea as a like 14 year old that wouldn't it be neato <laughs> if there was a, a service somehow on the internet where you would put in all of your uh, information, like your age, your interest, your height, your weight, and then other people would put in their information and then a computer program would match up the people based on their information. So you would find the right match based on data and logic. And then it would spit out the responses and you would connect with those people and you would get married and live happily ever after. And I created this thing on QLink, and I called the thing QMatcher. matcher uh, And so I, I launched this whole thing and I, I was sort of into like computer programming back then, but not really. It's like the... Did you ever write those programs where like a little bouncing ball would go across the screen? Yeah. So I did a bunch of that kind of stuff, and I kind of thought I knew my way around it. So I posted this thing, and these people started sending me their information, and my whole idea was to put it into this like spreadsheet program that would connect these people. And eventually I just got bored and stopped doing <laughs> it. And then—
0: I can't—how many—I feel like every episode you say that sentence—
1: I got bored and stopped doing it, <laughs> yeah. I know.
0: I'd be a
1: multi-millionaire now if I wasn't so uh, restless. <laughs> yeah, I got restless life syndrome. And, uh, and then like 10 years later, uh, eHarmony. And it's like the exact same premise of what I
0: came up with as a 14-year-old on Q-Link. Maybe the difference is though that their computers and robots could actually take those people's information and give them a match. Like you, you kind of led some people on. You're like, give me your stuff and I'll find you a match. And they're thinking, wow, this is, there's someone smart on the other end of it. There's some 14 year old ding dong (laughs) punching his numbers into a spreadsheet and he's gonna go, uh, old man, you're now connected with other old lady.
1: I wonder if anyone out there like remembers, like they're, they're single now and they're angry and it all stems back to that day when they trusted Q
0: matcher q matcher and q matcher let them down how, how many people are we talking sent you their their digits uh I don't know dozens
1: not like hundreds or thousands or anything and did
0: any of them like pour out their soul they're just like I'm looking for.
1: no it was more it was all st- it was you know height and weight and interest and why did height and weight matter to you well I mean but was that was before you could get pictures or something like you yeah to, you couldn't you couldn't send pictures on the internet back then. Where if you did, it took a day and a half for the download.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so it was just, it was all about the data. But then what, like, you're like, oh, I got a 5'10 guy here, I'm gonna match him up with a 5'8 girl.
1: Well, I don't know, I was 14. <laughs> and there, there were only so many statistical categories I could come up with back like, then. Like, was
0: religion one of them, or uh, life? I don't know. Was it all number based?
1: Um, A lot of numbers. I mean, interest was one. So it's like, do you like, you know, favorite movie maybe might have been a category. All I'm saying is, look, I'm not saying I had every detail ironed out. I'm just saying that that was my idea. And that old dude with the white hair on the commercials <laughs> owes Match. me some money, <laughs> John Harmony.
0: What if he did Q Matcher and you're, you're the reason that he got into it? <laughs> my mind just exploded. <laughs> how much
1: like legally how much would I be entitled if that was the case?
0: I would think like a 30%. Really? I just made that number up, but why not? Oh. You're a lawyer, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: so, we should we should email them.
1: Yeah. I just wonder how many people out there are like us where you have this great idea and you do nothing with it and then someone else does it and that person's like rich and famous now and you're like, "Oh, I should have done something."
0: Yeah. Millions, right? Probably millions. But that's I mean, because in this interview where we talked to Zach, that's what he said. He said the reason he knows it's a good idea is because so many people have been like, oh, I should have thought of that. That's a good point. Should we just let Zach tell us more? Let's let a guy who's actually doing it tell us how to do it. Here's our conversation with Zach Day, an MLB pitcher drafted out of high school by the New York Yankees and ended up playing for the Expos, Nationals, and Rockies from 2002 to 2006. You started off as a a professional baseball player, but before that you probably played baseball somewhere.
2: I did, (laughs) Um, yeah. So I started off, I grew up in West Harrison, Indiana. Okay. So started off there and born and raised and uh, stayed there until until I left the coop. So we had uh, 10 acres out there and um, had horses and the whole, uh, yeah, and we didn't farm, but we had plenty of animals out there and uh, uh, ran around 10 acres and had fun as a kid.
0: As I picture what you were just saying, I imagine you like the sun setting, you're out by your barn and you're just like throwing the ball. You're like four feet high, but you're throwing the ball like 100 miles an hour. Is that, am I getting the right picture?
2: So we did have a barn. I did play catch a lot with my dad in the barn. So yeah, some of it is painted right. Uh, It smelled really bad in the barn. That's Uh what I kind of remember a lot of is cleaning stalls. Um, but I do remember listening to the Reds game and playing catch with my dad very vividly. So those are very fond memories. And we are I was a big Reds fan growing up. Uh, I was able to, um, they won the World Series and, and I was 12 at the time. So that was 11, 12. So that was a good, good time in my life as far as just the, me- the memories go. Um,
0: and you can relate to that, I bet.
2: Being, a –
1: superstar pitcher when I was a kid. Yeah, It's like my life story being Uh told right back to me. You know, we talk about creativity a lot and we try to apply that to a lot of different fields. And especially as a pitcher, you know, there's a phrase in baseball painting the corner. So you see some of these artistic phrases come up here. There is more so than hitting is, is pitching almost like a creative art to you or am I crazy and even asking that? no
2: when I'm creating or when i'm drawing or when i'm doing anything when it comes to creativity and sitting down and just with a pencil um, you kind of get lost in in that moment and um, you forget about the outside distractions the you know what's going on around you and uh, i feel I feel that same thing when I'm on the mound uh, when I get on the mound especially in, at the big league level I felt that I I didn't hear things. You know, you get out there, you don't hear things. You're you're in the moment. You're creating what's going on out there. You have the ball, and nothing starts until you either put something on, uh, on that paper, or you throw the pitch. So I think there is a very uh, big correlation to the creativity side of it, uh, just just from just from a mental standpoint, and um, you know whether it's creative pitching or you know this hitter well. Mm-hmm. And you have to be creative in order to get them out. i um, yeah. just thinking about the different scenarios and, and what might be the best fit at the time. Yeah.
0: So when, how long have you been out of the big leagues?
2: The big leagues, my last year was 2006.
0: Okay. And it ended in a surgery.
2: Yeah, I had surgery on my shoulder. So I tore my rotator cuff. Um,
0: Did that hurt? Uh, yeah. Sounds <laughs> worse. <question>. Than, yeah.
2: <laughs> It hurt my ability to throw, (laughs) but it didn't necessarily hurt. It was, uh, I think it happened more over time. So uh, it was just uh, strength. It just wasn't there. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to build the strength back up. But pain wise, you know,
1: it wasn't like somebody stabbed me in the shoulder. Yeah. Tell me about like when that first happened and those dreams kind of started to look like they were going to be in the rearview mirror. Like, how did you pick yourself back up to keep going? Yeah, um,
2: you fail a lot in sports. So, um, But having that that mentality that, you know, I can I can fail and I pick, can pick myself up uh, has always been kind of a mentality of uh, that I've kind of tried to embrace. I hate I hate <laughs> to fail. Don't get me wrong. I really despise it. But you deal with it and you learn from it. And I think that that's the biggest thing I felt is like, okay, um, what do you want to do? What do you want to do next? And wh- what do you want to do with your life next? It's done. Um, you, you didn't fail. You did the best you could on that from that standpoint and and not worry about failing in the next in the next sense because um, you're going to learn. And that's always kind of the path that I've taken is. Um, and that's why when I went back to school for business and it was it was more of a, a time for me to kind of gather my thoughts and and, uh, and try and think of what I wanted to do uh, as much as going back to school. And, um, and and, and I, at that time, I'm like, I gotta, I'm going to start a business. If it fails, I'm going to hate it. But I'm also going to be fine with that and the fact that I'm going to learn how to do things and learn what not to do. And, and that was important.
0: So, how did you pick making dog uh, toys?
2: <laughs> I don't know if it I picked it or if it kind of just fell in my lap. So is that
0: like you're up on the mound and in between <laughs> pitches? Sometimes you're just thinking of
2: <laughs> dog no. Toys. This was after this was after <laughs> baseball, <laughs> but. But I grew up on a my my family is uh my mom uh, i call her a dog whisperer. <laughs> um she's been in uh, involved in, in with goldens and has had a kennel and and bred and bred goldens and uh champion goldens and and shows golden retrievers uh i've always had a dog uh, my my wife and i have had dogs uh ever since we got our first dog when i was playing in Colorado and with the rockies um I would have had one sooner but travel kind of um and I kinda held that back but uh I, it was just a a solve the solve a problem, I saw an issue. And that is what it came down to is, is there was a there was a there was an issue and I'm like I can make a really fun toy for my dog and and I didn't think it was that big of you know, I, I always weigh risk versus reward and what I could learn from trying to do it. I felt like there was a bigger reward and, and if it didn't work, it didn't work, but I could learn a lot and and it's kinda of taken off, which has been fantastic.
0: So, what's that first problem that you solved?
2: So, the first problem I, I noticed was that,
0: you
2: know, my dog loves playing with water bottles. Well, obviously they didn't, water bottles aren't gonna last for them to play with and they destroy the water bottles and and uh, and I just didn't want them chewing on whether it was a cap or just, you know, they would break apart. Um, so, my wife found this really cool giraffe-looking canvas cloth material they cover over a water bottle and she brought it home and our dog well got the water bottle out in two seconds and sh- shredded the giraffe <laughs> puppet whatever you want to call yeah. it and, and I'm <laughs> like you know and, and this is probably six months a year down later I started sketching out something I'm like there's got to be a better solution because my dog wants is obsessed with water <laughs> bottles yeah yeah he's just this little guy and I'm like you know like what if I can make a solution that could work for just not only him but for big dogs because um, I sure know that the t- the solutions out there are not going to work for a golden retriever, which is what I grew up with. So it's kind of you know I started sketching out of like you know just trying to f- solve the problem of all right, what material or what, what how am I going to design? What design is this going to? Sh- what is it? What shape is it going to look like? And wh- what's what's going to be the best look of it? And sure didn't look like it does now when I first started off, but it it, it, it came
1: around and and now it's uh, you know it's been a very good toy for us. That moment when you realize w- I've got something here like this is this is more than just me kind of goofing around like w- when was that moment for the dog toy and mm-hmm. what what was that like when you're looking at this product and you're like wow this is a this is a thing it took it took a little time but I also knew the potential
2: was there when uh, everybody would come up and they would say why didn't I think of that or why didn't you know why, yeah, why didn't yeah. I think of that and, you know you, when you start hearing that and you've heard you hear it 10 times in a matter of uh, a couple months, it's it's like, okay, you might, I might have something <laughs> here. That
0: first toy for Zach's company, Zagoo Pets, is called the Crinket. It's in stores all over the country, and it's basically a rubber sleeve that you put over an empty water bottle, and the dog gets to go crazy getting that satisfying, crunchy sound without ingesting all that deadly plastic. It also floats, in case your dog likes to chew his water bottles in the bathtub. Alright, back to our conversation.
1: What role do you think discipline played, especially in those early days of just um, you know waking up every day and getting back to work? Did you, do you think that was a big part of the creative process for you? Yeah, I would say uh,
2: well, discipline in the fact that it's a process. You know, we ever we we want things to happen overnight. Um, we're at instant gratification. I think society in general, and I think uh, knowing the fact that. I, this toy and realizing that it, it might not develop, we I might not see a toy for a year. That's pretty. You're like, wow, I want this thing now. Um, so having the discipline of waiting um, and kind of planning out, and I say planning, I say you know, okay, realizing that there's steps involved in anything that you're going to do, um, and having the discipline to go and follow through those steps, and, and making sure that you know we cross them off, and 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 if there's a hurdle, you you find it find it a uh, uh, a way to get past that hurdle
1: uh, and that's kind of yeah discipline's a good word for it where where did that come did sports help with that because I'm very impatient like <laughs> I want
0: yeah actually I want you to say that again to him that, I, <laughs> that doing stuff is a process because he wants to just be podcast famous podcast yeah, today right now but I'm like it's going to take a little bit of time did that sink in when he was talking about the process no, not at all no. that's why I asked him again <laughs> because
1: you know it, it's I, um, I get really impatient and I want things immediately and life seems short and all that kind of stuff. But what I found is when you have that mentality, you, you give up a lot because it's not happening and so you move on to the next thing. So five years later, you've accomplished nothing because you keep giving up. But it sounds like for you, it was even in those early stages, it's just the discipline to keep going. It's the discipline
2: but it's also, you can't just be naive. You can't be naive in the fact that, okay, you know, you get down to a certain path, you're, you're six months in and and, and uh, progress is not being made. You know, you have to define what progress is to, and prog- different progress is different to everybody. So you almost have to have a discipline to be a really good self evaluator too. And we all need to be better at it. It's something that's tough to do, but uh, even from a pitching standpoint, you have to know yourself better than any anybody else. If you're not able to realize the progress that's going on, um, or you're not able to be real with yourself as far as, you know, is this where, or, am I getting to where I need to be or is there a progress being made on the business standpoint and, um, uh, a podcast standpoint, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's where, and then take when you've de- developed and gone and gotten a certain to a certain level and you're like, you t- and take a step back and realize how good you've done and, and where you've gotten. And I think that that's what, unfortunately, from the baseball standpoint, I, it took me too long to realize that. Um, I was just about heading out of my career. I'm like, man, you were really good when you were young. <laughs> I'm like, dang, you know, or, or, you know, just take a look back. And, and and I take a look back at the toy right now. And I'm like, man, I was, I was, pr- it's pretty cool what I've created, you know, and, and from the podcast standpoint, it's, you know, look at, you have, to, you have to pat yourself on the back, I believe, every once in a while, but you also have to be real and, and a real evaluator of what you, uh, uh, where you've got, come from, where you're going, and, and where you see yourself going to be.
0: I'm patting myself on the back, and you should join me because we're all making progress, and that's a good thing. Which brings us to Zach's next big project. He just launched his first-ever Kickstarter campaign for his next dog toy, the Nutty Jar. And the problem he saw there was his dogs loved peanut butter, but they also loved eating the plastic jars. And it got everywhere, and it was just kind of gross. So he made a durable jar with a nylon lid that lets his dogs get to the peanut butter while they can still chew to their heart's content without destroying it. So basically, your dogs get all the peanut butter without the pesky shards of plastic that come with eating the old empty jar. It's a win-win. And make sure you go to rebelstorytellers.com slash the podcast and click on this episode so you can get links to the Kickstarter campaign. Rebel Pilgrim Creative Agency, we actually did the Kickstarter video and it stars Zach's two ridiculously cute dogs who we realized at the end of this conversation that we never asked about.
2: What kind of dog do you have? I have two miniature long-haired dachshunds and their names okay. are Snoop and Nelly. So <laughs> so sitting, sit this goes back to baseball, right? Uh, <laughs> so sitting out in the outfield, Chad Cordero and I used to talk about Dog names. <laughs> <laughs> First dog was Snoop Snoop Dog, and I had to go <laughs> Nellie Nelly was popular nice. so at the time, so I went along with Nellie. So. I had a
0: dog named Miss Jackson. Miss Jackson, yeah. I got her, it was a black lab. We got her right when Outkast was. Super nice,
1: popular. yeah. See here you go. Little rap music theme. <laughs> and you're saying bullpens can be really boring. Sometimes.
2: Right. <laughs> there you Sitting go. Out there chatting about dog names. Yeah.
0: That's it for this episode. My name is Brad Wise, and my co-host is Steve QMatcher. Thanks to Jim Zartman of Talkie Records for all of our music, and thanks to Zach Day for sharing his story with us. Go to rebelstorytellers.com to read our daily blogs, subscribe to the newsletter and this podcast. And if you're in Cincinnati March 28th, I expect to see you at Memorial Hall for Joe Boyd's one-man show of the Gospel of Luke. Tickets at rebelstorytellers.com. Until next time, keep creating.